It is so coincidental to me to be reading this gospel this morning because last night I had a wedding here of a couple I had prepared for the last probably 11, 12 months and they chose the same gospel. So it was kind of um, uh, very meaningful to me about um, this great miracle, which is Jesus's first miracle, as we all know. In his public ministry, his three-year ministry, this is his first miracle. And he does it at a wedding in Cana in Galilee. Why at a wedding? Maybe to show us the importance of marriage because marriage is supposed to imitate God's love for the world. And then also probably because a good marriage, uh, a good family, good families, good society, good society, of course, a healthy nation, healthy nations, healthy world. And so marriage is that important that God would do his first miracle at a wedding in Cana in Galilee. So we wouldn't expect maybe to hear a gospel about wine or a woman or a lot of singing, wine, women, and song, so to speak. But this is what John, John does today. He tells us of a wedding reception where Jesus makes wine. Then he talks about Jesus' mother, the woman. She's there. She tells Jesus and us what to do. And many of the disciples have attended the wedding and they're at the reception, making merriment, probably singing, probably dancing, enjoying themselves. Jesus himself is probably enjoying the festivities. He's a human, he's human as much as he is divine. He's not a prude and like most humans, Jesus had a social nature and he's happy for the couple. So he's uh, singing too, maybe even drinking some wine. Maybe this makes some Christians feel uncomfortable that Jesus is at a wedding where there's all this merrymaking and wine drinking and maybe even dancing. You know, maybe it makes those who have a fundamentalist bent uncomfortable. And so to remedy this situation, I've heard it said from some um, interpreters of scripture that the wine that Jesus and the guests were drinking was really just grape juice. It wasn't fermented that much. And that's baloney. That's nonsense. Naturally, fermented wine is actually pretty strong, 12 to 18 percent, depending on the grapes and other factors. And yes, there probably was dancing at the reception. They're having a good time. I don't think they're breaking any boundaries, you know, but they're having a very good time. And we know they're having a very good time because they're running out of wine. So they're drinking freely. And so the interesting thing about this whole event is that Jesus is practically forced into his very first miracle by his mother Mary, by a woman. And at first she even, even protests, woman, how does this concern of yours involve me? It is not my time. But then we see through Mary, God manifests his will. And Jesus, by listening to her, recognizes that it is his time. And, by, and Jesus, by listening to Mary, um, recognizes what to do and to do this miracle. And so 
It just reminds us how important Mary should be in the spiritual life of the church, and maybe for all of us Catholics. If Jesus listened to Mary, shouldn't we also listen to his mother, Mary? And so, but Jesus seems to be caught off guard at first by the situation. And that is often how God manifests his will to us. You know, he surprises us at times. You know, something unfolds in our lives, an event happens, and it kind of changes the course of our lives, or at least um, adds to all, all the other things of our life, and it kind of unfolds. And maybe that's a good thing that God surprises us from time to time with his, with his will, because that way he keeps us humble. He keeps us from becoming too calculating or too controlling. And so marriage is somewhat the same thing. If it's a true vocation and not something um, that we direct ourselves, then it falls more in God's time than in our own timing. And God draws the couple together. It's not just them making a decision, it's God making a decision with them, drawing the couple, letting them know all of a sudden an epiphany, this is the right one, and this is the time to do that to do that, and, and also teaching them what it's for. Marriage is for the good of the world. It's a foretaste of God's love, of heaven on earth, so to speak. It should be an imitation of the Trinity, the couple loving each other with God in the, in the center, a triune relationship. And so it reminds us that God needs to be involved in our marriages. But unfortunately, I think that many couples today often force God's timing, and they decide more or less to marry without God's help. And that's not a good idea. And things might not go well if that's the case. But when the timing is right, when God draws a couple together, we witness a true miracle, a bonding, a oneness that was not there before, God joining two spirits into one. And Jesus doesn't just perform just one miracle at the wedding. There are a few miracles at that wedding. Of course, the couples bonded together. And then secondly, um, we have the Eucharist at every Mass. Two miracles right there. And so um, finally, um, they are promising to God to bring life into the world. If not physical life, they're promising to bring spiritual life by living a God-fearing life, by living a Christian life, by passing on their faith to others. And so it's a powerful, a marriage is a powerful and at the same time a sacred public event. It's not just for the couple themselves, it's for the good of the community and for the world. And so we should see our marriages as a vocation, not just something that we do because we're lonely or needy. And so if we see it as a vocation, then it truly is miraculous. And then we will sense its spirituality and we will take our role seriously. And if we're ready for it, if we are prepared, it will unfold and it will grow over time and give us more fullness and abundance of life. A wedding should invite God into the couple's lives and home where the couple begins at a wedding to make a home for God a place in their hearts, a place in their families, building the kingdom of God in their midst. If God wills, then by the raising and begetting of, of children,
God-fearing, humble children, which helps better the world in some way, not just to make money, not just to succeed, but somehow to better the world. And so these are all the miracles that happen at the beginning of, of a wedding. From the home we see that in that second reading, from the home of Jairus, Jesus raised someone, raised someone from the dead. And when Zacchaeus and um, others were at that place, um, we see that he changes lives forever. And a wedding should in some ways change our lives forever. The couple, the inspiration of seeing what God is doing should somehow inspire us and change us. And that's why true marriage is such a powerful and public event. It's making a home for Christ in the world, a new home for Christ. Inviting Jesus into everything we are and do. Inviting God into everything we do, into our pleasure, into our businesses, even into our bedrooms. God loves the human race immensely. And that is why Jesus celebrated and did his first miracle at a wedding, to show us that God celebrates our lives, that he celebrates all the moments of our lives. He gives us regular encounters to strengthen us. We call those the sacraments. So the question is, have we made a home for Jesus? Do we invite him into our lives daily? And do we invite him into everything we say or do? I hope we're all trying to do that. May God bless our married couples and may this precious sacrament of holy matrimony make us and our world a better place to experience the merciful love and the abundant love of our loving God. Amen.